This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please go to the website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. We've done about $15 million worth of real estate last year and $4 million raised so far. So a lot of good opportunities come in through there. And just remember, a lot of these deals, you have to have a personal relationship. So don't just sign up there, you know, interact with me and build a relationship because I want to know if some of these deals are right for you. Today, I have Carl McKnight, who's a police lieutenant. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. And, you know, when I hear someone with a gazillion units and a gazillion dollars, it really kind of makes me go to sleep. And a lot of the, the advice is pretty lukewarm, in my opinion. Another thing is like, they're just so far away from what's reality these days. You know, they're, they're telling us to do really old school tactics that just don't work today. So I thought I'd bring Carl on the line and, you know, he's, he's actively doing it and kind of built up a nice portfolio. And I thought, what great way to kind of share what, what are the real people doing out there in investing, not just the gurus. So Carl, uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for ha- having me, Lane. I appreciate it. We'll start out with the first question that we ask everybody here is how much simple pass- passive cash flow are you making today and how are you doing that? You know, right now we're making about 35K in passive income. I'm doing that through a, um, mainly that's just the houses and apartments we have. So we've got uh, a total of 42 doors, which consist of, um, about 18 houses and 24 apartment units. And those apartments are spread across uh, small multifamily units, four plexes, five plexes, and a uh, six plex and the rest single family homes. You know, when, when we bought these, we started buying, I think in 2009, which I thought was just the ideal time because everyone had uh, pulled back from real estate was saying it's a bad investment, but here locally where I'm at, you could buy a um, decent house for like the cost of a new truck. Uh, but that truck would take four or 500 bucks out of your pocket, but that house would put, you know, four or 500 bucks in your pocket. Then we moved on to getting into, uh, learned about wholesaling, was doing some wholesaling. And then what I really like doing right now is uh, just putting the money to work. So we try to get a 12 to 15% return on other investments, uh, usually private lending. We'll invest in a uh, flipper's flip. So we're getting a good return on that too. Yeah. So, so what I think is kind of the cool thing here is you got a good portion of your, your needed income coming in passively. You're still working the day job and you're kind of in the line of fire there. Maybe talk to us a little bit about why do you still work? And, you know, I think you mentioned that you do like your job, but like, you know, how, what are you thinking of someday quitting or, you know, kind of getting into a little bit, you know, safer environment? Cause you are in the line of fire. I really like doing what I do. You're serving the community. You're helping people. It's still exciting. You see a lot of interesting stuff out there. meet a lot of interesting people. You know, your views on life change over time. When I was younger, it was all about, you know, somewhat the adrenaline rush because I worked a bunch of different units, SWAT team. I was a sniper on that for 10 years. And then undercover teams where you went after violent offenders, robbers, armed robbery crews. I mean, all, all sorts of interesting stuff. It was just the challenge. It was really about going out. When you go after the big crooks, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of effort. You've got to have a really good team in place. As time has gone by, you know, as you get older, it's not so much about the adrenaline rush anymore. It's about, I think, leadership and then still helping people. That's probably the biggest reward is that, you, you know, you're out there helping people. You know, I could, I could technically walk away from it today, but we have a retirement system in place where it's, it's actually, I think, like in the top five in the nation as of funded. So it's a really good retirement system. So you got to put in a certain amount of time. So, you know, next couple of years is when I'm probably looking at retiring, but I could walk away from it right now. You know, I'd have to ask myself exactly what am I going to, what exactly do I want to do? Because the properties, you know, when we first bought them, I was out there working on them and everything else. You know, I do, I do nothing with that now. It's uh, there's systems in place where, you know, I'll go out and look at a rehab, but we have people that work for us. Usually I'll meet a tenant 
there's a really big demand in my city for affordable housing. And that's, that's the market we're in. I just really am a big fan of affordable housing. As time goes by, you put systems in place, which frees up your time. So I probably spend about just dealing with the properties about four, maybe five hours a week. And that's it. You know, I don't drive by, check on them, anything else. Uh, the tenants are set up for direct deposit. There's a Google voicemail account in place, which, you know, calls go to that. Then it shoots over an email to me, which I can forward to someone. It's actually quite a lot easier now than when I first started. And I think as time goes by, you get out of that landlord mentality and get more into an investor mentality. What's, what's the value of your time? Well, my value of my time is not going out and picking up a hammer or a paintbrush. I can pay someone to do that which is nice, you know, first starting out, sometimes you don't do that. Right, right. And, and you're a new member of the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. And the last thing I want is you to come after me and with a gun, it's your gun and, <laughs> and a dusty old sniper off, take <laughs> me off from afar in Hawaii here. Yeah, well, you put me in a bad deal, that may happen. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Take us back to 2009, kind of when you got started. I mean, you're, you're working a day job. What is it that, you know, what was your Han Solo moment where you kind of said enough is enough and you, you just tried the whole real estate investing out? You, you got off that normal track. Well, you know, I've, I've right before that, you know, I, I've always liked real estate because of my age and the, uh, you know, tech bubble that invested in, you know, the stock market, lost some money. Uh, started looking at real estate, started reading a lot of books, figuring out the formulas you use, which are very easy. You look at your interest, taxes, and insurance, and then you see what you can rent a house for and what's left over is basically your cash in your pocket. And right before 2008, so 2006 and seven, you know, I was looking at houses and these things were taking money out of your pocket at the end of the month uh, because, of the pro- the, because of the upfront purchase price. I remember one realtor, when I was looking at homes, it told me, uh, you know, when I showed him, said, hey, this is like taking 100 bucks out of my pocket a month. His was, oh, yeah, but, you know, in about five years, it'll be positive. And I was like, well, you know, that's not an investment. It's not putting money in my pocket. Well, once 2008 and nine hit and you drive down a block in my city and you'd see seven, eight, nine, four sell signs. And, you know, I knew what rents were in the neighborhoods because I talked to people every night when I was out on the street and handling calls for service. And I'd ask them, Hey, well, what's your rent? So you get a basic idea. I don't think they had rent a meter around back then, or if they did, I didn't know, I didn't know about it. So I, I was just going off what people were telling me. But when you ran the numbers on these properties, it's like, you know what, Hey, I can make 500 bucks off this easily, you know, positive every single month. And at the time, uh, as a patrol officer, you know, if you worked a day of overtime, at time and a half before taxes, it was probably about 450 bucks, maybe 500 bucks. So I, my goal was to get one house that was positive cash flow, 500 bucks a month. Went out and bought it, you know, looked probably about at 10. This buddy of mine was an investor. And so we're with this realtor and we went and looked at this one house in the, um, you know, cause I was real nervous about it. You know, you're thinking, Oh God, what if nobody rents it? What if it just sits there? And so this buddy of mine, he had said to me, this last house we looked at said, hey, if you don't buy this thing, I'm buying it. This is just a screaming deal. So that pushed me into buying my first one. And, you know, I probably lost sleep, you know, for three, four nights worrying if somebody was going to rent it. But the first day we went over there to it and started working on it, you know, people actually started just walking up and asking, hey, are you going to rent this house? I thought, well, gosh, dang, there must be a big demand over here. Went in and probably like any rookie, fixed it up more than what needed to be fixed up. Made it really nice because I was thinking, hey, this is where I'm, you know, comparing it to where I live. And when you're in the affordable housing market, you don't have to do that. You just need to fix it up nice to where it's a good product. It's going to be safe. The family's going to like it. I think within 30, 40 days while out there working on it, I already had it rented, met a nice guy. He actually still rents it today. So, and I talk to him, I think once a year. So uh, that, that was the first one and wanted to get another one, started looking around again, got another one. But the thing was, is getting the financing, the banks had basically frozen up. Conventional financing had, had changed drastically. You know, before 2009 and eight, they, they'd write you a, a loan if you could fog a mirror. 
after 2008-9, you know, the, the stack information they wanted was now like two inches thick. They wanted everything, but I was able to get these uh, lenders to write me 30-year notes for like 30 to 32,000 bucks. So you're talking PITIs that are, you know, I've got one, I think that's like 225 bucks and the house rents for a thousand bucks. So, you know, you, you, yeah, you get a good, good return. Then after I started getting into it, I realized, Hey, I could do this. Now they call it the Burr principle, the buy rehab rent refi and get back a hundred percent of your money. So you're not even into the deal anymore. You're just making an infinite return on it. So did that on basically everything from then on we bought one of them, one project we had, we actually got the city I work with to come in and partner the repairs. And they had a program at the time that if um, you agreed to rent to affordable housing and low income, they would, uh, for three years, after three years, they would write off the note. Did that on one project, which was really good. And I still own it. It's, it's a really good little property. It has four little houses on the same block or on the same lot. And they came in, I mean, and this, I was buying stuff that was just catastrophe for the prior property owner. Either they just boarded it up, said, Hey, I've got enough of this. And then it came down to their management. After a while, I learned that they're they're, they're just not good property managers. They don't know how to screen people. They don't know how to put rules in place. So I would, we buy these properties at an extreme discount, turn around, fix them up and then refi them. So usually if we were buying something, you know, like those four little houses on that one little lot, you know, within 12 months, I think we bought it for a hundred within 12 months was appraised at uh, 195,000. You know, you're getting back your money and then it's just making the positive cash flow every month and over time with rent increases. And so it's, it's a really good thing. I'm glad we jumped in when we did. Did you sell any of those as you went along or you kept every single one? We only sold one. We bought this one and actually like anything you sell, you kind of wish maybe you held on to it, but we had bought it, I think for, uh, Oh, 65,000. It was in a uh, B minus neighborhood. It's actually a really nice neighborhood, but we got it in an extreme discount. I got into, learned about owner carry, which, and I like the whole negotiation concept of helping a person with their problem. So it helps them. It takes the load off their shoulder. And then plus it also benefits us at the end of the day too. And we held on to this one for probably about I think four years and then the uh, property owner had called and kind of came into a crash or a cash crunch, asked if we could uh, pay them off early. So negotiated a uh, discount on the payoff and then I sold it to a buddy of mine that's a flipper. So I think we doubled our money on that and I rolled that into a sixplex that came up at the time. Kind of wish I still held on it. We could have still bought the sixplex without that money, but I said, heck, you know what, we'll roll it into there and have less money out of pocket anyway to buy this sixplex. And the sixplex has been a great property. Went in, you know, I like to really look at something and see where it's being mismanaged. When you get into these like small apartments or any pro- any apartments, there's little things you can do like switching out to LED lights, low flow toilets, low flow faucets, which drops your cost on the property and, and uh, increases your overall return you know, did that with that. And we actually still have it. That's the only one I have that, uh, that we have an actual property manager that manages that. Well, I bet you have a competitive advantage there. I bet you, you knew the guy who would patrol that house, your houses a little bit more carefully. Well, yeah, but you know, here's the thing. And I get a thing every day called a felony arrest report, which in the city that I work, Shows every single person in Fresno and the address that they've been arrested for a felony broken down by district. And it goes out to everyone. And so I'll look at it. And if I see anything on one of my properties, you know, I immediately call the property manager and say, serve this person with a notice immediately. And, you know, as a property owner, you, you have a right to calls for service on your property. In fact, anyone could do that probably nationwide. They could call their local police department and request a, uh, give them the address, say, hey, I'm the legal owner of this property. I'd like to know what, it, what calls for service are generated at my property. And you can do that with apartment complexes too. And you know, they'll provide you because you're, you know, you're a citizen and you own the property. 
and they'll redact private info or confidential information. Like if there's domestic violence or something, they redact that. But calls for service for loud parties, a neighbor calls up about heavy foot traffic, anything like that, that's available to a property owner. A lot of people don't, don't realize that. Also, you know, some cities have a problem-oriented police officer. And basically what they do is they're the ones that get a hold. When they get information of activity on a property, they'll get a hold of the property owner send them a, a notice saying, hey, we're having problems at your property. You need to correct it. Or, you know, like in my city, it's either a $1,000 fine, $10,000 fine, or $50,000 fine. You know, you can also, uh, in our city, call the POP officer and request calls for service, uh, anything like that. But it's, it's a way to, one, view what's going on at your property if you're not there. Like if you're an out-of-town investor, I think it's a great tool and any city could do it or any police department could do it for you. But to, to see what is going on at your property. You know, if you have a property manager in place and there's all this drama going on there where there's police activity, that would be a sign that, hey, I need to probably get rid of this property manager. So there's little tools of the trade that you just learn along the way. We do a lot with the Section 8 program. I like it. I know the supervisors. I know, know, know the workers. There's little quirks of the program I don't care for. But uh, locally here, the Section 8 realizes that there's just a crunch on affordable housing. So they're actually questioning the property owners on how they can better provide a service to, to the property owners, which I like. And I actually like the program because they, with Section 8, they go in about probably every six months and inspect the property. So it's not something that, you know, you, you need to go in physically and inspect because they have to do an inspection and make sure that, you know, that they're not damaging the property, that all the smoke alarms work. So it's, it's kind of like a backup. I look at and the, uh, you know, when you have a problem with a Section 8 tenant, if you know the program really well, you can always get a hold of the property owner, or I'm sorry, get a hold of the Section 8 worker, and they can help correct the behavior. So it's, I like the program because they have a, what is it? DHA, a public housing contract with the tenant, and there's all these rules that they have to abide by. So you have your contract, and mine's pretty good, but then they have theirs too that you can also use to correct behavior. So I, I like the program, and plus it's direct deposit, and when you're dealing with low-income families, it's easier to collect 100 bucks than it is six, 700 bucks. So when Section 8 picks up you know, five, 600 bucks and the tenants paying 100, 200 bucks. It's, it's a lot easier to collect that than it is for somebody that maybe falls on some financial difficulties and they're having to pay the seven, six, 700 bucks out of their own pocket. Has some good insight there. So going back to that, that uh, police report, what would you say would be a good interval to call in? Because I know some of the helicopter parents out there that don't even know it. You know, they'll probably be bothering and wasting the city services calling up every other month or something like that. Yeah, you know, my, my contract, I have an addendum because, you know, in law enforcement, when you've been in a long time, you pick up certain skills. People say, hey, don't read a book by a cover. But, you know, that's a survival skill for a police officer. They read a book by a cover. So you, you pick up little things on people. They're little the way they act, you can tell has this person been institutionalized prison, clothing that they wear, you know, gang clothing. A lot of things property owners are just not going to be aware of. And my contract... Going, in, going into their car, you know, looking at their car when they drive up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's a key thing there. I mean, if their car is just an absolute, you know, junker and they've got, you know, McDonald's bags all over, well, I would think your property is probably going to look like that after four or five months anyway. You, you know, if that's someone you end up running to and stuff, but you know, my, my, my contract has specifically in there about heavy, no heavy foot traffic, gang activity, gang associates, the drug usage and excessive calls for service from the police department, fire department, CPS, things like that. You know, you find out about that, that's, that's leverage you can use to correct behavior. And it's very easy when you have like a printout of calls for service, you can say, hey, here's, you know, look at this. You know, they've, they've had five calls over here in the past month. Well, that's a problem. That person's got some drama and they got to go. And, you know, as an ex 
city engineer, myself, you know, use your city services, call them up, build a relationship. Unfortunately, most of the time, the people that are calling are all the squeaky wheels and they ask the most annoying questions. And Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, build a relationship. And I think, you know, you can get some good information because a lot of these guys, you just want to help out too. It's not like they're, uh, you know, they're kind of looking for work to do in, in, in a way in some areas. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we actually have a neat app here that the city created where you can go on and you can post a picture and send it over to the, one of the departments at the city where, you know, for blighted property. So let's say you have a property and the property owner next door is just, he's truly a slumlord, just doesn't take care of his property, anything else. You can post pictures and report that, which makes it, you know, which is just another tool, you know, a tool to use. Some people don't know about it. You know, some cities may have it, some cities may not have it, but it's, it's an effective tool. I recently came back from kicking the dirt in the high elevations in Panama. The site of the investment I am proudest of in my personal holdings, which is Turnkey Coffee Farmland Parcels. Coffee, cash flow, and a legacy investment with turnkey management. Go to Simple Passive Cashflow backslash coffee to get a parcel in your mind before the whole mountain is gone. Yeah, I know another good app is the Nextdoor app where uh, you can kind of join City your... government. Um, that you can join on Nextdoor and you can get alerts in that very subset of the of the neighborhood. It's another good uh, resource there too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're really big at uh, my agency using... Next door and sending out crime patterns or crime trends in a neighborhood. You know, a lot of a lot of people I've come to realize they live in their neighborhood and they're just concerned about what goes on in their neighborhood. Kind of like living in a bubble. They're not concerned about everything else around them. So you kind of got to know what's going on in your neighborhood. Yeah. So let's transition to uh, kind of what you're you're looking for in the future. I mean, you've kind of mastered this whole uh, single family home and doing the birth strategy. You're gonna at your stage of where you're at, are you going to keep continually doing what you're doing or go no, like, passive role? Yeah. You know, like I like, you know, as you get older, you really look at uh, your time and what, 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 what the value is of your time. Cause that, that's a very limited resource out there. And uh, you know, as, as you get older, you have a low, a low tolerance for time wasting. And, oh, there's a lot of uh, noise coming through the cord there. How about now? Can you hear me better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's when you're playing around with the cord. Okay. You know, when you, uh, as you get older and stuff, your time becomes more valuable. So you look at what, what's time wasters and passive investing is just, you know, once you get into it, it's just absolutely so easy to do it's less of your time. You know, you look at the deal, Hey, this looks like a good deal and you get into it and then you, 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 you have very little, you know, you go out, still do what you want to do because you're not the one who's managing the property or managing the investment. You're just managing your money. So that's, that's more or less what we're looking. You know, I, I like doing that. I've got a self-directed IRA set up when my wife retired. Uh, there's money we've got working in there and I don't know anywhere you know, the stock market, I, I can't bag on that because I have money in that, but I just think it's so overvalued right now. It's a massive bubble. I think it's going to pop. And when it pops then we're going to go in and buy, we'll buy more stuff. But it's just like the real estate right now where I'm at, I think that's in a bubble too. These houses that, you know, I get listings sent to me all the time and the prices are, you know, they're not uh, conducive to making money off of it. You, you're just buying for appreciation right now. So are you consciously, um, you know, just saving money for when the uh, rains do come or are you kind of reallocating equity around to optimize that? You know, Lane, we're allocating equity around, you know, the, the five plexes and six plexes we have did a cash out refi because the equity, you know, as you buy them and the value goes up in them, you can take that money as well as, you know, out tax free and borrow it at a very cheap rate. You know, when you're factoring your tax bracket and stuff, you may be borrowing that money at 3%. Well, if you can put it in at 12%, 15%, you're making a really good spread. We did that this year. 
And, you know, some of these properties we had bought went up drastically from when, when we initially bought them. The cash we're, we're looking to put to work. We've got some already out there working, but we're looking to put more into, more into work. So it's reallocating the equity into something that's more profitable instead of sitting it there. The houses, you know, I'll probably keep those unless we just find a really good deal to get into on some apartments, some larger. That's the next step I want to take too is, you know, get into some syndications. Thought about syndicating deals myself, but, you know, I, I don't have the time right now. I, I shouldn't say that because everyone has the same amount of time. But with family responsibilities and work, it'd be challenging to go out of state and look at deals. It'd be easier to go in as a uh, investor on a syndication, I think. That's also what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's kind of one of the cool things about the Hui Deal Pipeline Club is, you know, you guys bring me deals and then we can see if we can work together on it. You know, and if it is big enough, you know, maybe we can, you can team up with other people. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, you have a, you have a great story, right? Like who would not want to jump in an apartment deal with a guy with a gun, right? Like who happens yeah. to be boots on the ground. Like, <laughs> I'll run your spreadsheets for you. Yeah. As like, long, <laughs> yeah. As long as the gun's not pointed at you. Now, yeah. we, now, you know, on that topic, we bought some stuff from these private lenders here back. Oh, I think 2011, they, they actually, they were losing money on this deal. It's a property they had taken, two properties they had taken back and uh, had foreclosed on. And, you know, private lenders are not into managing property. They're into managing their money. Remember, we went and looked at these properties and, you know, they were just, I mean, not running whatsoever. I think they were the third occupied and the, the one, the tenants that were in there were uh, F-class tenants to begin with. And so I remember I was out there with them and they were in their suits and we we're walking through a couple of units. I said, Hey, you know, apartments are great at ABC and D. And, the, and one of the lenders looks over at me and goes, Hey, this is an F minus. And, you know, I looked at it as, Hey, there's money to be made on this. So I think, you know, one of them, we, we had bought it, I think 135,000 is five plaques. And I mean, we didn't need a ton of work on it and needed a ton of management work. And it had, you know, I don't recommend this stuff for the everyday person buying in rough neighborhoods. But don't forget, my tolerance for, excuse the French, craft is probably a lot higher than other people's because of, of my career background. And, you know, you had a house next door that they were selling ice out of. You had a vacant house next door that homeless people were going to. This has all changed. I've got great tenants in it. The house next door has been sold to an investor who flipped it to an owner-occupied. The, the vacant house has been torn down. A lot of work over time but went into it. But there was a lot of points there during that journey where, I'd come home and tell my wife, we need to dump this. We need to get rid of this. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I've got a very supportive wife and she'd say, Hey, let's just hold into it another couple months. If you don't like it, then okay, we'll find sell it and uh, hopefully find something else. I don't like paying taxes on gains. So, you know, when there's nothing to buy out there, it's kind of whole, it's kind of hard to want to sell something and pay a big tax, you know, capital gains on, especially if you've been taking to appreciation on it. So anyway, I held on to it. And they're actually two, I mean, phenomenal uh, performers, both of them gone in, you know, they're very nice, nice buildings. Now the tenants, the neighborhoods, you know, some people would say so, so, but the tenants are really good people. They're, they're just, you know, uh, low income. That's where that's the stage they're at in their life. They've got a, a decent place to live at. And it's quiet as a church, church mouse. I mean, get like one call for a minor uh, repair a month and that's it. And it's, it's, and they're very appreciative because they know when they call, we usually get someone out there within 24 hours to fix it. So, you know, we're, I'm really big on customer service and I do my line of work and dealing with property owners. A lot of them, their problem is they're not responsive to when somebody calls. So if you, can, if you can offer really good customer service that people seem to want to stay with you a long time. So where is this all heading for you? Is there like a passive cash flow number you're shooting for? 
or is it more just retirement first at the next step? No, I like, you know, yearly gains. So, you know, I'd like to get, you know, the goal is to shoot for like 60 K a month. You know, I think, I think that's a decent, decent number here about a year ago, we moved everything into a uh, corporation because we got to the point as just as a real estate professional, there's only so many passive losses we could take once it's in a corporation and learning about a corporate, and I'm still learning about it. I'm no expert in it whatsoever. You've got a little bit more bookkeeping in it. You know, my wife has learned that. And then, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll hand that off to a bookkeeper that we manage, which even frees up more of her time. Don't get me wrong. She doesn't spend like, you know, eight hours in an office doing this stuff. She spends a couple hours a week and has a lot of freedom to do what she wants to do. But looking at businesses and growing businesses, it's more into managing, you know, putting systems in places and managing the people now. But the corporation, there's just, you know, from just the last year, there's just so many benefits in it than having uh, just being a real estate professional. As a real estate professional, you'd come to the end of the year and I don't, you know, I pay my taxes, everything else, but I don't need to tip Uncle Sam. So there's only so many losses you'd get to a point that you can take. And it's either dump the money back into a property to avoid, or not to avoid, but lessen your taxes. And there's only so much you can fix a property up. You know, I don't need to make these into the Taj Mahal. They just have to be nice properties. So we're at the point now to where, you know, with a corporation, you can take the monthly distributions, the annual shareholder meetings. There's just a lot of more benefits. And as I understand it with the new tax bill that they pass, it's even going to be more beneficial to be in a corporation type environment. Is it the S Corp that you chose or the C Corp? Yes, correct. No, S Corp. Yeah. You know, you've got a little bit more tax work. So, of course, you've got a little bit more accountant bills. But at the end of the year, going year over year, it appears to be substantially more beneficial than the way we were running it before. Plus the liability coverage. Corporation owns every na- everything now, and we're just uh, shareholders within the corporation. It's a little bit time-consuming to set up something like that, especially if you're working full-time. But I think the benefits of it uh, outweigh not doing that. But, you know, as time goes by and you make more money, there's always somebody who wants to stick their hand in your pocket and take it, whether it's an attorney, accountant, service provider, anything like that. So you're dealing more with attorneys. I want to say a lot more. You know, someone has to set it up. If you got questions, you've got to call them. But a lot of the uh, accountants or the accountancy portion of it, which I don't mind because you meet quarterly and you, you project out your income for the year and where you can move the, move the money, you know, what, what you can do with it. So, you know, either with distributions or purchasing items, whatever. But I, I like it. I think it's good. And, and from what I've read with this Trump plan, tax plan, it's even going to be more beneficial now. All right, so something that you burst that you recently burned your cash on for time savings or improvement in quality of life. Give us some good ideas. Oh, let me see. Uh, one, the property manager on that one property, I think, was a good investment. She's a really good property manager. Um, you know, when you ask her to do something like, "Hey, I need you to serve this notice or something," she doesn't wait. You know, two three days. She's out there the next morning doing. And she's very straightforward with the tenants to let them know that, hey, she's serious. And, and that's been a time saver because, you know, I don't like fielding the phone calls and I don't get many of them. But I notice, I do know is you get more people in one building, you can, ha- you can have more issues with either neighbors maybe not getting along with each other or service calls. And, you know, I don't like to be bothered with that, you know, as, as, it runs right now. My tenants are really educated in on, on the weekends. Don't call me unless it's an absolute dire emergency. So I actually have very few phone calls from them. I think another good thing was setting up a direct deposit account. So everything's done through uh, the bank now where I don't go out collect rent whatsoever. It's all directly deposited. I can go on my phone, on my app and look at who's paid. You know, when you're dealing with low income, 
individuals, you know, some of them wait to absolutely the last day to pay. So maybe on, you know, the, the fifth of every month, you know, at 10 a.m., you may send a couple people three or four reminder, hey, did you get your money deposited or your rent deposited? So setting up the direct deposit was a big time saver. You know, there was a time when I'd go by and collect rents, but we're, as you grow and develop as a business, you've got to find ways to lessen your interaction with with the people and the properties and, and put more of your time into finding other investments, finding things to put your money into. So getting the direct deposit set up was, I think, a huge time saver. It was a little bit burdensome at first because we set it up in a corporate account. You got to do a checking account, a savings account, and then an operating account. And it's set up you, know, you can give an, a person an account number, but it, it's set up to where it is just deposit only. And then also having it set up to where it uh, sweeps the account. You know, you, you pay yourself first, which is a big positive belief I have now. I know it used to be, hey, let's pay these bills, pay this, and then what's left over. Now it's not. Now it's, you know, pay yourself immediately first because that's money you're going to use to invest or, or live off or enjoy. Overwhelmed by the amount of stuff is on Simple Passive Cashflow? Don't know where the heck to start? Go to simplepassivecashflow.com backslash start to sign up or text the word SIMPLE to 314-665-1767 for the curated course to get you up to speed on the past two years of content. Again, join the free web course, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow. Go to simplepassivecashflow backslash start or text the word SIMPLE to 314-665-1767. Other time savers, you know, I have a guy, probably the best is a guy that works for us. He's just, you know, this guy I think is probably 56 years old, maybe even a little bit older. He's just an all-around good person. You know, he's he's doesn't take advantage of things. You know, he goes out and fixes something. You call him. He's on, you know, he's Johnny on the spot. He gets it taken care of. How'd you find that guy? You know, I actually met him through a guy that I had bought a property from, you know, just met him. He was out there doing some work one day and got to talking to him. And he, he actually owns a property two doors down and doesn't have like a full-time job, but was working, you know, he likes properties and I've probably got more knowledge in, in investing how to put money to work, which he didn't really understand, but he wanted to learn and stuff. So I started telling him about, you know, how to refinance, borrow at this rate, invest at this rate, how to talk to the uh, sellers of properties. And, it, you know, he's just an all around good guy. That w- That is a major, major time saver because he knows the properties. He drives by checks on them and stuff because he's out in these areas and stuff more more than I am. So he's, that's a, that's probably the biggest time saver. I think another one is hiring a bookkeeper that would come over maybe twice a month to help my wife. Uh, that helped her in order to get the um, corporation up running, the bookkeeping for that. that. That's been a big time saver because there's a big learning curve with that, how to enter everything in the QuickBooks. And that that's another time saver. That's probably, Lane, that's probably about it on time saving. I, I kind of have everything in my own little setup of being automated. I don't, we're not at a point where we've scaled so large to where I need to get like a virtual assistant or anything like that. Right. And, and like I mentioned. You, and that's the thing. The, like you have all these habits, but you just have layered it one on top of the other on top of the other that you barely know what's a habit and what's a cool trick that you're doing. Yeah. You know, the, the, I, I listen a lot, you know, multiple, I've got about a 15 minute drive to my office each day. And so I listen to different podcasts and, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, Hey, our virtual assistants will take care of this. this, this. That'll be, that's great. But I've got my own little system in place. Like we went over that works for us at this point. If we're going to scale up in a large multifamily, all, all I'm looking at doing is collecting a K1 from it, you know, which is not really time consuming for me whatsoever. Just send me the K1 and our distributions and stuff. For a person just starting out, I would recommend like a Google app or mail or, or mail account because, and then, you know, rules with, with the tenants that you're renting to that 
you know, don't contact me after five o'clock unless, you know, if it's an emergency, call 911 or the fire department. I'll learn about it. I'll find out about it tomorrow. You know, and on the weekends, we take trips to Europe every year. And the last thing you want when you're over in Europe is a phone call from someone when you're trying to enjoy yourself with your family and, and checking, checking out a different country. But you put systems in place before you leave, such as letting them know, hey, I'm going to be out of the country. My phone's not going to be available. Contact this person in case of any emergency. It seems to work. I see a big problem with landlords where they want to handle everything. And when they want to handle everything, you're just going to be frustrated and you're going to be pissed off because you're dealing with human behavior. And it's not always the same as, as how you would do something and expect other people to do is not always the same how other people are going to do it. And that can be frustrating. You're doing stuff hands-on. You're going to get frustrated and you're going to get pissed off at one point. So it's better off handing, paying someone to do this other stuff, which was another time saver. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, a lot of hacks there. And what is your secret or hack to the art of fulfillment? Anyway, you contribute back or, I mean, you're kind of someone who works the day job and he likes it and, and invests on the side and you're kind of doing both and you, know, you find a, probably a good balance. Can you talk to us how, how you kind of found that? It took time. I can assure you that because when we first started, I would spend eight hours working on one of these properties or you know doing hands-on stuff and then going to work for a 10-hour shift. That's 18 hours. Well, you know, you do that over 30 days, you can get burned out. It's not something I would, I would do now. But, you know, giving back to the community, I've been in the town I'm in for 40 some odd years. And as law enforcement, you realize you're not there, you know, if you're working night times and you're dealing with problem people in the neighborhood, the gang members or whatever they are, clicks in your head as you get older that, you know, you're not there for the gang members, you're there for the people you're probably never even going to talk to. The person that's living their American dream, working, you know, the kids are going to school and they just want to live in a peaceful neighborhood those are the ones you're there for and to help and you're probably not going to meet them unless they call up for something you know once you realize that these are decent people and providing them a decent place to live that's safe and you know the best product out there they're extremely appreciative of it you know they they give you know they like it they they want to stay there a long time because you know you care about them and i think adding quality housing out there to any neighborhoods a benefit for the community. So, so you're helping other people. You know, a lot of people, as they go through life, look, hey, how can I give back? How can I help the community? Other than money is nice to get, but if your only goal in life is to make money, you're not, I don't think you're going to be too happy. You know, I, th- I think you're, you're going to find you're happier helping other people. And my career, I've done a tremendous amount of that and it still do it daily. You know, you're, you're out there helping people. And so my career has been very rewarding in that sense. And then, you know, I kind of carried that over to our business to where you're helping people. You're giving them a nice place to live. I tell people all the time, Hey, I cannot control an entire neighborhood. That's impossible for anyone. It's very challenging for a police department to do that, but I can control what goes on in my property, who comes on there, who doesn't belong there. And they realize that when they move in and you have this conversation with them that, hey, anything that goes on here, I can control at this property. Can't control the entire neighborhood. And they, and the vast majority of people realize that too. So they don't call you about problems in the neighborhood. They call you with just little issues at, that, at the property. But overall, I have you know, exceptionally really good tenants. It hasn't always been that way. Don't get me wrong. I've had to evict people, everything else. But I, I have noticed in this market and as time has gone by that the demand for affordable housing has increased for the older population. So I'm actually, in, you know, you could call them senior citizens, but I'm renting to a lot more of these individuals and, and they really do want a safe place to live and they're less drama. They're on a very fixed income and they're very appreciative when you provide them with a safe place. Well, well, thanks for coming on here, Carl. Got one last question, just kind of curious. If you're JVing or partnering up with somebody, is there a way because you're a cop to get some kind of special background report? Or no, you know, we, minds, we, if you could shoot yeah, me over minds, know, that means let send it over. <laughs> yeah, 
You know, you, you can't run like a crim history on, on anybody uh, through a law enforcement database unless there's a need to know. And a need to know would be like they're involved in a criminal investigation. I, I use here in the state I'm in a program called National Tenant Network, which is a, a good provider because they'll actually call you after you run this background check. They'll call you and it checks for evictions and crim history. But another another little, I'd call this a hack, is when people leave a voicemail or a Google voicemail, anything like that, these are just little tricks of the trade I've learned. And I, I do it. Uh, we're checking people at uh, work too that we come across, but you can cut and paste their name or their cell phone number right into Facebook. And if they have a Facebook page, it's going to bring it up and you can tell just by that Facebook page because some people just love uh, airing their dirty laundry and you can tell right from their Facebook page, whatever drama they've got going on their Facebook page, that's the drama you're going to have at your property. A lot of property owners don't even do that. So you can go right in and check their Facebook and see what type of person they are. I mean, if they're sitting there smoking blunts and, you know, flipping off the camera and stuff like that, and, you know, their language is just atrocious, you can tell that's what you're going to end up putting in your property. And those are the issues you're going to have. And that's something you can do nationwide too. I know Facebook, any city you're in, you could check somebody on that just to get an idea of what type of individual they are. Another one is yeah, I, um, I know I know a guy. He uh, put it all in his uh, quarterly or, or annual bookmarks to check up every year, and you know, if you just drag and drop all those Facebook profiles in there, you can just click Chrome oh, browser, yeah. open up your bookmarks. Yep, yeah, open up these yeah. twenty six. Yeah, open them up. Let's see what we have there, but. <laughs> You know, I you guess know, a lot a lot of people like to take the picture where they're flicking the camera off. I think that's a thing. I mean, I think good people like to do that too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I look at some of these Facebooks I get and um, profile I check, and I just shake. I don't even return the call. I just delete the number because it's like, no, you're you're going to be just so much drama by just looking at what you're. You know, birds of a feather flock together. Old saying. So you can see what type of people people associate with and you got to ask yourself is this what i want at my property do i want the dope smoking all the time the boozing it up the gang members gang associates you know the town i'm in is a large town but i've been here so long you know certain people you know what certain attires associated with a gang or anything like that and the little skills i've picked up that i can tell more than what a property owner you know if somebody's sitting there throwing up a gang sign a property owner may look at that hand and go oh he's crippled not realizing that that's a gang sign or something that they're throwing up you know another one is a little i'd call it a hack is you know we have act the public has access to the superior court records at a site here in the town i'm in and you can just take their name cut and paste it and it's going to put all their any evictions and lawful detainers any of that stuff in there that you can check their background locally just through that. It's a free service and it's available to the public. And I don't know if a lot of towns have it, but I'd recommend it for any of your readers that are going to do a somewhat self-management to look into it, to see if they have it available to check it through their superior court. Good ideas. Good ideas. And I will add that, you know, if you're going to go Google stalking people, just be aware of the, uh, the laws where you can't discriminate people. I'm sure at yeah. some point, smokers will be a protected class but, <laughs> well uh, i'm sure they will you know pot, pot i've always i tell tenants all the time i said hey you know that that's not something i can really do much about people smoke it medicinally and now you know in the state i'm in it's basically recreationally uh legal there's nothing i can really do about that and you can't legally evict people for smoking pot and probably in the state i'm in so i don't even look at it and when you're renting to older people and you've got younger people there yeah that smell of that skunk weed's probably gonna be objectionable to the older people but when you explain it to them that hey it's technically legal there's nothing i can do about it they understand it's when you get into hardcore drugs meth and stuff like that you know i've got zero tolerance for that i don't need to rent to some tweaker and have issues and the problems that you're going to have with that and that cl that class of individuals so you know, it says it right there in my contract too, you know, meth, heroin, coke. 
that's not allowed whatsoever, zero tolerance for it. And I don't rent to those type of people anyway. Right, right. Well, I think we'll end it here before we start to get political. And I'll just say that it's kind of neat how and I've seen it in Washington, how the, I think the legalization went pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Um, kind of seems like, you know, the kids aren't doing it because it's not cruel because their parents are doing it now. Yeah. So. It, it, you know, I, th- I think the whole say no to drugs thing has probably changed what, o- what over time because, you know, parent uses marijuana. It's like, well, hey, this is my medicine. You know, so you reclassed it with a new name and stuff, and it's more socially acceptable. Yeah. So, just a good way to bond with the kids now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be. You, you know, the, the parents parents hit the bong, and the kids get home and have a brownie treat. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if there's any um, cops or firefighters that want to get a hold of you, I'll have them just contact me, and I'll, I'll pass along their information you uh, but if unless you want to give out your email i'm probably thinking yeah. not but thanks. yeah you know lane the yeah. probably best way to just write through you and if they're interested they can shoot me um yeah or you could forward their contact info i'm, I'm really good about contacting people anyway so if they yeah. if somebody inquires about something i'll gladly take the time to talk to them about it cool well thanks for coming on carl oh you're welcome lane it was a pleasure enjoyed it and thanks, guys. Uh, please sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. We got a guy with a gun now in the group. So, yeah. <laughs> Bye. All right, Lane. You have a good day. Bye bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself, because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.